welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 24th of April 2011, entitled Essentials of a Biblical Easter Part 2, and the Bible reading is taken from Luke chapter 24 verses 1 to 53. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Alright, let me invite you to open your Bibles again this evening to the Gospel of Luke chapter 24. We were looking at this passage this morning, and I was just getting in the swing of the message, and time ran out. <laughs> so uh, we want to go back this evening and uh, just take a little closer look at some of the things that we mentioned here this morning. And let's begin reading to, first of all, get our minds and hearts focused upon the Lord and His Word, beginning in Luke chapter 24. In verse 1, I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 24 and verse 1, Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. It came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. As they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified in the third day rise again. And they remembered his words, returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and other women that were with them which told these things unto the apostles. Their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Then arose Peter and ran into the sepulcher, and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. Now, I'm going to ask you just to, to skip on down. We read the entire chapter this morning, but I want you to skip down to verse 36. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. They were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. He said unto them, Why are ye troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. When he had thus spoken, he showed unto them his hands and his feet. While they yet believed not for joy and Wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and a an honeycomb. He took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures, and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. They worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Father, we thank you again this evening. We just pray simply, Lord, that you would take and during these next moments that we have together to look into your word, Father, we recognize that it's not anything within ourselves that 
Lord, can accomplish anything here this evening. But, Lord, you knew exactly who would be here and who wouldn't. You knew the hearts of each one. And, Lord, as we celebrate this another Resurrection Day, Lord, I pray that as we look at this passage, as we're reminded of some of these simple thoughts, I pray, Lord, that it would be a time that would be an encouragement and a strength to each one that is present. For it's in Christ's name that we pray, amen and amen. Well, our thought this morning and this evening was simply essentials of a biblical Easter. Essentials of biblical Easter. We talked about a number of things this morning. We talked about lots of different names. The celebration of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We talked a little bit about where we got the word Easter from. And, of course, that all around the world is called different things. But as we began to look at these passages this morning, I asked that simple question. You know, what is essential to a biblical Easter? Because if we're celebrating the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, then it should be our desire, it should be paramount with us that we want to do so in a biblical manner that's in agreement with God. Now, we talked about that, you know, we've got all kinds of traditions, you know, things that have come to us from all kinds of different streams of Christianity as well as paganism, that we've got all kinds of things that have been passed down from traditions of Catholicism and the Orthodox Church and the, and the Reformers and all kinds of different things and all these things mixed together in all the ways that people celebrate. And we looked at some of those things. There's lots of things that get mixed into the traditions. But as we went through that list of all those different things, whether it's Easter eggs or chocolate eggs or hunting eggs or uh, meals that we eat or things that we eat or things that we wear or any of these things, that in fact, if we're talking about this, the celebration of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, none of those things are essential to what we're supposed to be celebrating today. What is essential? to celebrating the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is essential? If we are going to celebrate this holiday, whatever we choose to call it, Resurrection Day, Resurrection Sunday, Easter, or whatever that it might be, if we're going to do it, what is essential? Because as we, as we think upon this holiday, if it's those things that are the traditions, good or bad, that have been passed down by men and countries and cultures and all kinds of different things, if those are the things that make Easter important, then we said we've missed the boat somewhere. What is necessary? What is essential? What is the most important things that if we're going to celebrate it as a part? And we, we looked at the first thing that it was essential as we looked at verses 44 and 45 here. And there's an awful lot in those verses that we just kind of skimmed the top. But we said the first essential to a biblical Easter is a biblical understanding. A biblical understanding, and we see here where these things that they'd been taught before, even by the Lord Jesus Christ themselves, and yet they hadn't understood it. Many people know a lot of the words on the page and all these things, but the Bible told us there that in verse 45, he opened their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. And we looked at a number of things about how God does that for us today and how that it's, that it's necessary and how that... The natural man cannot understand the spiritual things. But if we're going to truly have a biblical celebration that would be pleasing to God, then the first essential is that we have a biblical understanding of what it is all about and what would be pleasing to God in the first place. And then we moved on to a second essential after we looked at that biblical understanding, we saw secondly, and we talked about this, this word here where it said to us, first of all, in verse 46, and said unto them, thus it is written. That goes along with the biblical understanding. That's why God has given us his written word. Notice those next words, and thus it behooved Christ 
to suffer. It behooved Christ. It was necessary for Christ to suffer. Why? Because of what was written, because of what God had planned, because of what God said would happen. And he said all things must happen exactly the way that God said that they would. God planned it. It was written by God himself in his word. Jesus Christ, it was necessary. Not only is it essential for us to have a biblical understanding but the second essential of a biblical Easter is a blood sacrifice. Jesus Christ had to suffer. And we looked at a number of things there. We looked at all these others. There was, there's eight other resurrections that are, that are mentioned to us in the Word of God, but none of those are what we're celebrating. I want you to notice just a, a couple of passages. Turn with me first to what, uh, to what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3. And in verse 18, the Word of God says this. He says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Now, we looked at a number of things this morning that made this death and this resurrection different. We talked about the fact that each and every one of us as living human beings, we have an appointment with death. We talked about those simple Bible truths that once we have spiritual understanding, we wonder how can anybody not understand that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. How can everybody not understand that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord? How can we, as we, as we look around and we can think, how can people not understand sin, the consequences of sin, the necessity that either we accept the sacrifice for sin to get forgiveness for that sin, or we pay that sin price ourselves which is death. We looked at a number of those things. You see, the fact was we said that all of those other, those other people that were resurrected, we said there were eight, but one of them were quite a few people when all those Old Testament saints came out, except for those saints that Jesus brought out. Simple truth is, is that all those others had another appointment with death. They had a physical resurrection that was a miraculous work of God. But Jesus was the first fruits of that eternal life, of that resurrection from the death that's appointed unto all men for the penalty of sin. We find that Jesus Christ himself, just as we read in the scriptures here, he didn't die for his sins like everybody else was due to die, but he died for our sins, the just for the unjust. We find also in the book of Galatians chapter 1 and verse 4. I'm just going to give you a few verses. The Bible says, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, Jesus Christ. You see, that sacrifice was necessary. We said this morning also that it wasn't just the death. Yes, death is the wages, the penalty for sin. But as we looked there this morning, we said that the only sacrifice that's sufficient is the sacrifice of blood. That's why it was required that he not just suffer but that he suffered and shed his blood on Calvary. In Hebrews chapter 9, we could, well, we could look at so many things. But let me just remind you of this passage. In Hebrews chapter 9, notice what it says beginning in verse 22 there. He says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission 
It was therefore, there's that word again, necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. Talking about the Old Testament temporary sacrifices. For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. Well, then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the world, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Jesus Christ. You see, the celebration of Easter, first of all, we need not just men's traditions and ideas and things. We need the biblical understanding. If we're celebrating something that literally is the most important event in all of history, we don't need one day out of the year to celebrate it. Thank God we've got that one day that we set aside, but as believers, we should be celebrating it every day. That's what it should be about when we come into God's house every Lord's Day. Why do we meet on the first day of the week? Because that was the day they found the empty tomb. Hallelujah. We celebrate a risen Lord, a risen Savior. But the Bible said, first of all, that everything, everything that was written by God in His Word must come to pass. And the Bible says that it was necessary, it was essential for Christ, first of all, to suffer. That's the suffering that we're reading about. The shedding of his own blood. Because we said this morning, you can't have a resurrection till you have a death. But this death, this death was the death that was to pay for the sins of the whole world. This death was the death that was to pay for your sins so that you wouldn't have to pay that penalty yourself. Just a few pages over in Hebrews in chapter 13. Notice what he says in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 12. He says, wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Why did he suffer? The Bible tells us that he might sanctify the people with his own blood. Of course, in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Listen. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. The blood of Jesus Christ. There's not a sin that was too great for it. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, I quoted this verse this morning. And he, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world the essentials of a biblical Easter, of a biblical Resurrection Sunday is, first of all, a biblical understanding. But, folks, secondly, it's not the chocolate egg and it's not the Easter bunny. It's a blood sacrifice. That's what was necessary. That's what was required. That's what we're celebrating. Let us not get sidetracked 
even on things that in themselves they may be fine and nothing wrong with. That's not what we're talking about celebrating today. The blood sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ was essential for the redemption of lost mankind, the only sufficient sacrifice for all men, for all time. But praise God, he met every requirement that God had. How do we know that for certain? How do we know that the blood sacrifice was sufficient? We'll read the rest of the verse, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and, praise God, to rise from the dead the third day. That's how we know. We know that the blood sacrifice was sufficient because he overcame death. If it hadn't been, he would still be in that grave. He would still be in that tomb because that would be the punishment for the sin that hadn't been taken care of. If there'd been one sin because he became sin for us, he took on the sins of the whole world. If his sacrifice had not been sufficient in any part, he could not have come out of that tomb. And thus it behooved Christ. Thus he was essential for Christ to rise from the dead the third day. I'm saying to you that the essential of a biblical Easter is a biblical understanding. And it's a blood sacrifice and it's a bodily resurrection. The bodily resurrection of our Lord is proof positive that his sacrifice was sufficient. Death couldn't hold him. <laughs> it would have if the sacrifice had fallen short. The wages would still be due. He died the death that was the penalty for our sins. And I like that old song. It says, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Death had no hold over him. And through his sacrifice, death has no hold over us, praise God. The bodily resurrection of Jesus proved without doubt that he was exactly who he said he was. I like the way that it puts it in Romans chapter 1. You knew I'd get you to Romans eventually, had to. Romans chapter 1. Notice what it says in the first four verses here. He says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. There it is. We talked about all that so much this morning. The gospel, Jesus Christ had taught them from the Old Testament, from the Word of God as they had it. They knew what was necessary. What? Concerning his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. That was what proved that he was the Son of God. That was what proved that he was who that he said that he was. Turn over a few pages in your Bible. The book of Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Notice what it says beginning there in verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us for to believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet and given him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. 
The resurrection. That was the proof evidence that Jesus Christ was everything that we claim him to be. In Acts chapter 17, notice what it says in verse 2 and 3. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. He took the Word of God, and he showed them why it was necessary, why it was essential that Jesus Christ had to suffer and die and be raised the third day. Turn over just a few pages in Acts chapter 26. Notice what it says in verse 22. He says, Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. Nothing new. Confirming exactly what everything that the Word of God had already taught. What? That Christ should suffer and that He should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. I said this morning, yes, there were others that were raised from the dead before this. But that was solely a physical resurrection and they still had their appointment with death. Jesus Christ was the first to be raised when he came out of that tomb when sin had been paid for when it was eternal life. That when you come with that resurrection, you never have an appointment with death again. That's the promise that you and I have. It was great that he brought Lazarus out of that tomb. But Lazarus had to go back into one one day what we're talking about and what we're celebrating this Resurrection Sunday. We're talking about a resurrection that has no end, a resurrection to life eternal, a resurrection that death no longer has any hold over us whatsoever. Folks, we have many today that would try to play down the necessity of a bodily resurrection or a bodily return of our Lord Jesus Christ, and they try to spiritualize these things away. I'm saying our only hope is that Jesus Christ did suffer and in so doing shed his blood, the payment for our sins, and that that sacrifice was accepted as payment in full. And we have proof of that because the tomb was empty three days later because he overcame death. There was nothing left owing to it. And the resurrection is our hope. Without it, we have nothing. I made a note. <laughs> the Egyptian pyramids are famous because they contain the mummified bodies of ancient Egyptian kings Westminster Abbey in London is renowned because of all the, the dead bodies of English kings and queens and nobles and famous people that are buried there within it. Muhammad's tomb is noted for the stone coffin and the bones that it contains. The Taj Mahal is built as a memorial to a wife of, of one of India's shahs. But the garden tomb of Jesus Christ is famous not because of, of what's inside of it, but because of what's not there. That's why it's different. That's why no other religion has the hope that we have. That's why. Because none of them, none of them can point to the one who is the founder that their faith is based upon without pointing to a dead body somewhere except for us, <laughs> because it was an empty tomb. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 says this. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. Word of God says, But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and in verse 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14. And God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. You can look at other places. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, those verses that we read so often when someone leaves this world. <laughs> oh, death, where is thy sting? <laughs> there is no sting in death for the child of God because we've got victory over it. Folks, my simple desire today is as we look at these, not because these are new things. These are things that we know or we wouldn't even be children of God. But these are things that so many times when we're celebrating the greatest day in history, we can get so sidetracked by so many things. But I'm talking about if all those things can go and we can still celebrate. We can still celebrate because none of those things are essential to what we're celebrating. As a matter of fact, many of them take away from what we're doing. But it's essential that we have a biblical understanding. And it's essential for a blood sacrifice. And it's essential for a bodily resurrection. And I want to give you this final thought. Jesus gives us one other essential here that's required. Notice, then open he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Sentence still carries on. Notice in verse 47, And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. A biblical understanding. A blood sacrifice a bodily resurrection. But another essential is a bold witness. A bold witness. There's so many, so many illustrations. I remember reading the story. Nikolai Ivanovich, most of you probably, he was a little while before your time. He was one of the great Russian communist leaders Back in the Bolshevik Revolution, back in 1917, I don't think anybody here was around at that time. But we find that somewhere around 1930, he was addressing a big crowd in, in Kiev. And his whole point in everything that he was doing that day was to try to destroy the Christian faith. And I mean, he ripped and he tore and he went at it and he did his best. And when he got through, after about an hour of carrying on, there was just total quietness in the auditorium. And he said, does anybody have any questions? Nobody moved. He said, you could have heard a pin drop. Then suddenly, one little guy got up from his seat back at the back, and he walked down the aisle, and he walked up there, and he walked right up on the platform, Steve, next to this guy, and he stood there. And he looked out across this mass auditorium of people and he said three simple words. He shouted at the top of his voice, Christ is risen. <laughs> they said the whole place just exploded because it was a very common greeting with the Orthodox Church of Russia at that time when one said, Christ is risen. Then everybody else together, he is risen indeed, was the shout that went up from that place. You see, you can say what you want. You can try to tear down all that you want. People have tried to destroy the Christian faith and undermine it since mankind has been here. 
But the simple truth is, you can't destroy it because Christ is risen. You see, it's vital that we understand clearly this final essential to a biblical Easter. I said to you this morning in closing, folks, I'm not being callous. I'm being as honest and serious as I can. It doesn't matter one bit that Jesus Christ shed his blood on Calvary, which was sufficient to cleanse away the sins of the whole world. It doesn't matter that that sacrifice was accepted by Almighty God and that Jesus Christ came out of that grave three days later as proof evidence. None of it matters if the news is never given, if the story is never told. It doesn't matter that Jesus did all those things for you if, on the other hand, you've never heard. He said that repentance and remission of sins should be preached. <laughs> repentance is almost a bygone thing to be preached from the pulpits and certainly to be proclaimed by Christians to others. You see, people need to know not only that they are sinners, that their sin is against God, and that unless they turn from their sins, they're going to pay the wages of that sin, which is death. They've got to be willing to turn from that sin. You can't just keep going the way of the world and take on a little bit of religion along the way. Repentance is not about crying tears. Repentance is not about recognizing the truth. Repentance is about turning around and going another direction because the simple truth is, it's just suddenly you see sin like God sees it. And the only way that you can do then is to turn and go away from it, not go towards it. Repentance, that men are sinners and that they need to turn from their sin, remission of sins. They've got to recognize that when they turn from their sin, they still, they still got to find remission for the sins that can only be found in the blood sacrifice and the bodily resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter if you never commit another sin in the world. One sin. One sin. One sin in the garden is all it took bring death, the simple truth of Scripture, that everyone, everyone, just as these apostles here, they must have their understanding opened. Many people can quote you these verses. Many people know all the religious things. Many people can pray the sinner's prayer forward and backwards and everything else. Folks, I'm telling you something. The Holy Spirit is the one that was sent to reprove us of our sin. Until conviction sets into where you see that sin as God sees it, and you want to turn from that sin and understand that Jesus Christ is the only sufficient sacrifice. Until that happens, you'll never be saved. You see, as I look across this congregation this evening, as far as I know, I know my heart. You know yours. As far as I know, praise God. If the trumpet sounded right now, this place would be empty. <laughs> Amen. I hope so. But the simple truth is, what about your next-door neighbor? What about your brother, your sister, your father, your mother? What about the person you work with, the person you go to school with? What about that person you're going to meet tomorrow that you've never laid eyes on before in your life? You see, if we're talking about celebrating Resurrection Sunday, Easter, whatever you want to call it, in a biblical fashion, I'm telling you that God's way requires a bold witness. That's how we celebrate. 
our resurrected Lord is by telling others about it. I want to read you a little story. It's called The End of the World. Because there's a beautiful valley in Switzerland which is deeply hidden in that mountain range known as the Alps. That valley is completely surrounded by steep mountain walls. If one enters this valley, that person will move along the only road until it ends at the base of a steep wall of rock. The Swiss call this place the end of the world. However, if one is willing, if they're willing to climb by foot, there are Swiss guides that will show a determined hiker a path that leads up and over that mountain barrier. The simple truth is, it says, reflecting upon this natural phenomenon, Harley Rosenberger comments that many people believe that life is like a road that runs through the valley of time. We cannot turn back, but must continue walking onward. The days pass quickly, and then comes the end of the road. We stand at the sheer rock wall that we call death. It's the end of our world, for it is the end of life. You see, because that Jesus Christ suffered and died and paid for our sins, because that he's been raised from the dead, that we've been bought with a price, that we've received the gift of eternal life. We find a way up and over the wall of rock. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? That's the text that's up on our church website homepage right now. Just below Seth's picture. 17 years old, his life was gone out of this world. But as a child of God, folks, death doesn't hold us. Death has no grip on us whatsoever. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Eternal life doesn't begin at death. It begins right now. The moment that you repent, the moment that you have those sins forgiven and remitted through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's the only way out. You see, really kind of what this last verse in verse 47 here is kind of talking about is kind of like those people that get to the end of that rock wall, the end of the world without that guide to show them a way. There's no other way out of there. Maybe God's just wanting you to be a guide. You found the way. You know the way. Because you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. If you know the way, you can show someone else the way. That's what Easter is really about. That's what Resurrection Sunday is really about. I mentioned this verse this morning, and I'm going to read it right now in closing. Familiar passage, Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. How many times have these verses been used to lead someone to Christ? It says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus... And shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? 
And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Messiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You see, it's not an accident, and it's not a coincidence that these four essentials that I've pointed out in this short passage of God's Word that's dealing with what we say that we're celebrating this day, a biblical understanding, a blood sacrifice, a bodily resurrection, and a bold witness. Simple truth is, you take any one of them away, and the rest don't matter. Any one of them. You take it away, and the rest doesn't matter. It's in God's Word in one complete sentence. Jesus Christ has done His part. Church, I'm saying this Easter, if we could do anything to celebrate this Easter, we look around and we know that there's a lot of our folks that aren't here this evening, but we can't affect what anybody else is doing or not doing. We're here this Resurrection Sunday during this evening service. The simple truth is, is that we can have our focus upon the real essentials of Easter, not to be sidetracked by the things that are not important at all. And if Resurrection Sunday does anything to us, May it give us a real, real, first of all, a real joy and gratitude in our hearts to be reminded of what Jesus did for us. We're celebrating. We've got so much to celebrate. But let it challenge us as well. We're just making a mockery. We set aside a day to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and yet day to day in our lives, we're not witnessing and telling people what Jesus Christ did for them. It's just making a mockery. We're no better than the world. These four things are essential. These four things will make a difference. Matter of fact, it'll make more of a difference than anything else in all the world out there, I'm telling you. The understanding that comes from God, from His Word. What Jesus Christ did when He died and paid for those sins and rose the third day. And what God has left you and I to do in taking that good news, the gospel, to the very ends of this world, to every nation, to every tongue, that they can know what Jesus Christ did. The only way they can have the faith is by having the Word of God to believe it. And it's our great privilege and responsibility to take that truth to them. What's the priorities in our life? What are we doing with our life? This is Resurrection Sunday. May it be a time that God reconfirms the glorious thing He's done in our life. And may He set a fire under us that even we that are here tonight as we leave this place, that there can be a new determination that the light of Jesus Christ is going to shine through my life, that I'm going to be that bold witness, that I'm going to look for opportunities, that I'm going to pray for opportunities, that I want those around me to know the truth of what Christ did. We get so lax. We get so comfortable. We get so much into our routines. And it's not that we're out there doing bad things. It's not that we've quit loving the Lord, 
The problem is we're just not doing anything. We're not making the difference that we need to be making. And every individual can make that difference. God needs some bold witnesses. As we've already seen in scriptures, that boldness, that boldness will come when he, when he has control of your life. That's one of the things that we see with the fullness of the Spirit, that you'll be bold to stand up and to proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been looking. I think we've looked through some 19 parts in our series on the Holy Spirit. Boldness is one of those things that comes when he has control, lock, stock, and barrel in our lives. Give the Lord control. Celebrate. Man, we've got something to shout about this evening. We need to shout it from the rooftops. We need to shout it to where the world can hear it. We need to let them know what difference Jesus will make in their lives. Father, I thank you this evening. Lord, I thank you for this day. Lord, we enjoy this day and the focus that it gives us. But I pray, Lord, that it doesn't take a, a day on the calendar to give us the focus that we need. Lord, our focus daily should be upon the Lord Jesus Christ, what he's done for us, what he's accomplished for us. Lord, I pray that you can help us rejoice and being reminded these are things that we've heard and we know. Lord, I pray that you'd help us rejoice afresh. And Lord, every one of us, if we're honest, we know. We know that we can be bolder in our witness, every one of us. Father, we know that there's a lost world out there that they need the gospel there's nothing else that can change their lives. We know how to get past that wall at the end of the world. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be the guides to show others, to show others that there is a route, that there is a way, but that that only way is Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.